people think I'm damaged goods. I'm worried about losing my job. Will I ever get a transplant? I want to see my children graduate from college. How can I afford this? I don't want to be a burden. I'm afraid. I'm overwhelmed with information. Sometimes I wonder if I'll ever fall in love and get married. I just want to play with my friends. You're listening to Kidney Talk, streaming health, happiness, and hope to the renal community with your hosts, Lori Hartwell and Stephen First. And welcome to Kidney Talk. Here we are for another session. Yes. And I got to tell you something weird happened to me what? the other day. Uh, do you know who Michael Bay is? No, I don't. Michael Bay is this very, very famous action director. I think his last movie was Transformers. Okay. Big hits. I, heard, I heard a lot of good things about that movie. I haven't seen it, but... No, but... Isn't I mean, that where those like little toys grow up and turn into You know, monsters? I didn't see it either. I, that's what I... My kids, when they were little, Transformers were very mm-hmm. popular. But anyway, I was um, pitching some projects to his company, and I go to his offices in Santa Monica, California, and um, I hear these growling dogs, you know, <laughs> and I hear the footsteps, and around the corner come these 180-pound mastiffs. Mastiffs? Those are huge. Huge Those dogs. are the dogs that drool, right? They drool, and they're running towards me, and they're growling. And I just froze, you know, and they come up to me. And Did your kidney work? <laughs> Thank God. But uh, no, uh, they were, once they reached me, they were friendly. But it was just to show just me that a, they were the boss. Right. You know, these two dogs just, that are And he didn't now. warn you that there were dogs coming? Because, you know, dogs can sense fear. If you actually showed fear, they might have... I, you know, I, there was had you for fear. lunch. There was fear. <laughs> I just stood still. I knew to stand still, and I put my hand up for them to smell, and they were fine. They were fine. Then yeah. they said, give me a biscuit. Give me a biscuit. <laughs> they were very sweet dogs. One's name was Bo, and one's name was Grace. Well, that makes me just think about my dogs, because, you know, I have the cutest dogs in the whole yeah, world. Yeah, but they're very frightening. I'm Max scared of your dogs. Max and Chloe, they yeah. are just too cute. What's weird about your dogs is your Max... Um, used to hate me. I mean, he used to bark and growl and everything. Now he loves me. Yeah, well, he just wasn't quite sure. He's a little boy dog of the house, and he wants to, you know, this is his kennel, and you were entering his kennel. Right, right. So, yeah, I miss my animals. Animals are so wonderful. Have you ever had a cat up a tree and you had to call a fireman? I haven't. You associate that. That's like I know, the big you know, it is. joke and everything. Actually, I haven't, but my neighbor has. And there was this cat up in the tree, and they actually had to get this tall ladder and get the cat out. And I thought, you know, that's so great because a lot of times I bet you firemen enjoy doing stuff like that. And maybe today we can find out. I don't think in Los Angeles that that happens a lot. You don't think, think they want to get in... cats out of a tree? No, I think they're so busy. And I think that happens maybe in smaller towns. But you know what? We're going to ask somebody who was a firefighter for many, many, many years. So yes. um, John he, Garcia. John Garcia. All I the way from New, all the way from New Jersey. From New Jersey, he's a New Jersey firefighter. And I think I just heard him knock on the door. He did. Yes, I think he's here. Oh my God! I think he was out getting a cat out of a tree. <laughs> but, uh, he's got a very interesting story about how he uh, had kidney disease and how he got transplanted, and especially his son, who was his caregiver. Yes. And it's a very special son, and we're going to find out a lot more. More about John Garcia when we come back. Hello. Hey, Betty. Mary and I are going to lunch at that new Italian restaurant across from the mall. 
dying to go to that place. I hear they got great salads. Then the three of us can do a little shopping across the street and just have a girls' day out. Mm, that sounds like fun. I can't wait. Meet us at 12.30 at Tuscany's. Ugh. Wait a second. Today's Thursday. I've got dialysis. <sighs> just go in early. What are you kidding? They are so strict about the times, and besides, they're all full all day. Maybe next time. I'll tell you about the restaurant and what Mary and I bought at the mall. Such a good friend. There's gotta be a better way. Instead of next time, how about next stage? What Betty doesn't know is there is a better way. The Next Stage System 1, the first truly portable home hemodialysis machine, can help you take back your life and set your own schedule for home hemodialysis treatments. After a short training period for you and a partner, you have your own portable dialysis machine right in your own home. All of your supplies are delivered to your doorstep. Taking back your life and setting your own schedule are just part of it. Doing dialysis at home also allows for more frequent dialysis, which better imitates the function of a normal kidney. Many patients doing more frequent dialysis report that they have more energy and feel better. Want to travel? With your doctor's prescription, Next Stage can support travel anywhere in the continental U.S. The Next Stage machine is about the size of a 13-inch TV and has a sturdy travel case available, and all your supplies will be delivered to your destination. So schedule dialysis around your life instead of your life around dialysis. Ask your doctor if home hemodialysis with the Next Stage System 1 is right for you. For more information, call Next Stage at one 866 Stage or visit www.nextstage.com. Well, thank you very much, Lori, for having me here. Did you like the movie Backdraft? I loved it. I thought it was such a great movie. Yes, it was. And you know, I actually, I wasn't planning this as a segue, but when I said Backdraft, I had a Backdraft happen to me probably two years ago. And I was it was a barbecue grill, and it was something where I lifted the top up off the barbecue grill, and it just... Whoosh! The fire just whooshed in my face. Was oh, that when your eyebrows yes, were missing? I remember my that. My eyebrows were it was singed off. You were off lucky and, that you didn't burn off oh, your I face. Oh, I know. And my, of course, my kids were hysterical, laughing. <laughs> they thought it was the funniest thing. You think that's thing. funny, John? <laughs> no, I don't. Many people do laugh, but that is one of the things that d- does happen with gas uh, grills. Maybe I had the vent closed and I opened it up, and it just got a, a sudden burst of oxygen. That's what it got. And then it just whooshed up in my face. You know. So how long have you been a fireman? And tell us a little bit about your, your career. Nothing like changing the subject on Stephen real fast. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been connected with the fire service uh, since 1971, so that's like about 37 years. Mm-hmm. I started my career in Jersey City as a firefighter, and then I just I moved on and went to become chief of fire prevention, and then I was a, a county fire marshal, Uh, I eventually ended up being uh, chief of emergency services for a major university in New Jersey. Then I went into kidney failure. So did you have to rescue any cats of trees in your years of service? The proverbial cat in a tree? No. In in Jersey City, we didn't have too many cats in the trees. They had a bunch of gangbangers in the tree. (laughs) You know, he rescued out. So what what is one of your most interesting fire stories? About 2 o'clock in the morning, we got a fire. Respond to it, and it was... 
some smoke coming out of the house. Went into this house and somebody had discharged a fire extinguisher and there was a small fire and I had to get this about 75-year-old woman out of the house. And here it is, 2 o'clock in the morning. The house is on fire. And I'm saying, come on, we have to get out. And she's saying, not till I get dressed. I have to get dressed first. And I'm saying, lady, the house is on fire. We have to get out. She says, I am getting dressed first. So needless to say, I let her put her dress on before I got her out. So that was one of my funniest stories. That's oh, wow. funny. And, and the camaraderie in the firehouse, is that, I mean, you spend like four days a week living there, correct? When I was in a firehouse, I used to spend two 10-hour days and then two 14-hour nights every eight days. Today, they're on 24 on and, and sometimes 24, 72 off. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, you spend a lot of time in a firehouse and very high camaraderie. And if you don't get along with somebody, it's just tough, right? <laughs> that's that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you carry axes and. <laughs> My dad was a fireman and a firefighter because I know the correct term now. But they oh, they don't like to be called firemen because there's fire women. Because that. Oh. So the term terminology has changed from fireman to firefighter. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. And they used to play all these practical jokes because you have to buy the food. And there was always one firefighter who wouldn't buy any food but eat it all. And so they were always doing these tricks to this firefighter to try to get him to see the light. Some people never, <laughs> they, some of them never saw the light. And uh, we have a famous case here in Los Angeles I mentioned to you off the air called the Tinny Pierce case where there was camaraderie and... And he was known as Big Dog because they had volleyball tournaments and he's very tall and he would spike the ball and they'd say, give the ball to Big Dog. So uh, they thought it would be funny to feed him, put in his spaghetti, some dog food. And they mixed some dog food in his spaghetti sauce and he ate a couple of bites and he found out and he sued the city of Los Angeles and won approximately $4 million for racial discrimination because he was black. One of the things that happened is one of the firefighters who used to eat all the dessert and so they played a practical joke on him, they t- and this is horrible, but they took vanilla ice cream and they, choc- they chopped up chocolate X-lax throughout it. And they mixed up the whole ice cream thing and put it back in the refrigerator and they were trying to, he ate the whole thing and went to the hospital. So, I mean, firefighters can be cruel. That's pretty funny. Well, let's talk about, how did you get kidney disease? I mean, did you have any symptoms or what was the cause of your kidney disease? Well, we don't know what the cause of my kidney failure was. No, I had no symptoms. To me, I didn't. Right. But I guess to maybe the doctor I might have, but I thought I was suffering from the flu. And and it just came on. It just, wasn't a gradual. It just came on. Did you have a history of high blood pressure or diabetes? I'd had diabetes, I guess, for oh. two or three years. Well, that's the cause of it then. They, they don't know. Uh-huh. Because my diabetes, I was only having sugar readings of maybe in the uh, one teens, one, 120s. All the time? Yeah. It oh. didn't go higher than that. So I was just on the cusp of coming into... I guess what you would say, full-blown diabetes. Right, right. I probably had hypertension. Mm-hmm. People used to worry that I was going to so blow my So high blood pressure and diabetes, <laughs> that's probably the you cause. Know, it's that, a two-number one cause. That could be the cause. But I just thought I had the flu. And mm-hmm. for 21 days, I sat at home and sat in a chair, and my son took care of me, and my wife took care of me. And then 7.30 one morning, my primary care physician called up and said, you're going to the hospital. Had he taken blood? Is that what it was? He took blood the day before. Right. And and what did he see in your blood? 
My creatinine level was 18. Wow. That beats the last lady. I thought, <laughs> I, I, I've never heard of creatinine that high before. And neither had and the doctor in the emergency room. you didn't feel anything. You didn't feel well, nausea. Well, he obviously had the flu thought he was sick. I, uh, yeah. But nausea, though. I mean, vomiting. Uh, oh, yes. I was doing that. Yeah. But I never linked that to kidney flu. disease. Right, right. Right. You, you know? always think kidney disease, I know, as an ignorant person, I used to be. I always thought I'd feel a pain in my back. That's what I thought. Right. Yeah. If you had kidney disease. That's what I thought. Huh. You know, and... Sure, I was vomiting and, and dry heaving and feeling nauseous, and I had all these good symptoms, but I thought it was just <laughs> good the flu. Symptoms. Good and symptoms. That's, that's symptoms why that are it's just so a... important, though, to, I think, for people to know what the warning signs right, are of are. chronic kidney disease, right. because people have no idea. I had no idea at all, none whatsoever. I really, I'd never given a thought to kidney disease. Uh, if you'd have asked me in September 2004, what dialysis was, I would have said, I don't know. I thought when they said dialysis, I thought it was the removal of unwanted hair. Yeah. And they said, no, that's electrolysis. <laughs> but well, you know, they shouldn't call it dialysis. They should call it life-alysis. Oh. Don't you think? Because yeah. dialysis sounds so awful. And life-alysis actually, you know, it is giving us life. Well, I don't know. Are you laughing at me? <laughs> I mean, like, they shouldn't call it pasta. They should call it macaroni. I mean, I, what difference? I mean, I don't, it still saves your life. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, I want to know, when the doctor said, you got to get to the hospital, you have kidney disease. First thing that came to your head. He's crazy. I don't I don't want to go. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to go. I'm not or going. denial. I'm not going to the emergency room. And was your right. wife with you at the time? No, my wife was at a conference in Atlantic City. And it was just my son and I at home. You call it a conference. You know, she was at Trump's, you know, gambling. <laughs> that, that's where she was, at yes. Trump's. <laughs> but she, uh, she was at this conference. And I said to the doctor, I said, I'll have my daughter take me to the emergency room. And the doctor was very insistent. Give me her number. I said, no, that's okay. I'll call her. And then she found out my daughter lived in Pennsylvania. And she said, no, you will go now. So my son... Called my friend and got me a ride. And then he called my wife in Atlantic City and said, Daddy's in the hospital. And my wife came right to the emergency room. Mm. Oh, I, so I, I, oh, that's not true. I heard a different version. He said, he said, Daddy's in the emergency room. She goes, wait, I'm on a roll. Wait, this, I got a hot machine here. <laughs> so, not, not my wife. So did you start dialysis right away? No, I didn't. Uh, I went into the emergency room. They put me in ICU for for three days, cleaned out all the potassium that was in my body and, and I think everything else, told me my kidneys were failing, gave me a stress test and said, Failing? At 18 creatinine, they were failing? Failing. Well, they've already that, failed, it sounds I mean, like. Yeah. stage, You know, uh, they put a, they call it a nephrotomy. They put a tube. In your neck. Into my back. Wow. And was draining the kidney. Wow. Really? I mean, it was amazing because that morning, I didn't want anything to do with anybody. And by the evening, after they were draining some of the, the poisons out, that evening, I was laughing and joking with the nurses, and it was like there was you nothing, nothing yeah. wrong with me. Yeah. Because wow. I remember saying to my doctor when he said, you need to go on dialysis, and I said, there's nothing wrong with me. I feel right. fine. And That's he just looked at me and he says... I, I said I, I said something like I, I feel fine, and he looked at me and he says, "No, you don't." Yeah. And I said, "How do you know?" I know. But, well, uh, but I, we know, think we feel yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then 
You know, I mean, it, it was. it's just amazing sometimes when you think you feel good uh, and other people are looking at you and saying, you look like death warmed over. Yeah, people would, wouldn't say that to me until yes. afterwards. And they yes. said, you know, I went on dialysis and they said, oh, my God, I'm so glad you did because you looked horrible. I was doing something for Lori. It may have been, it was the thing where, where, where people were saying one word. Was that the pep training? Oh, yeah. And that was many, that was like three years ago. Mm-hmm. And somebody was taking pictures and they emailed me some of the pictures. And this was right before I went on dialysis. And I went, it was January and I went on in March. And I looked at the pictures and I go, who is that? He looks so sick. You know, and I saw myself in somebody else's eyes, you know. Well, we need to take a break. And when we come back, I want to hear about how you chose your dialysis option and a little bit about uh, your unique caregiver. Hi, my name is Jenny Huey. There is a critical shortage of organs. 91,000 people are waiting for a transplant. I am one of those people waiting for a kidney like many of you listening. I wait for my transplant coordinator to call me with the good news that they have a kidney for me. Other young women my age are waiting for that special someone who they met online at that dating website, Match.com, to call. And I'm waiting for the right cross-match. It is important that we all inform our friends, family, and co-workers about the importance of becoming a donor and to make sure they sign a donor card. Also, they need to discuss this very important decision with their family. We all need to bring awareness to the public about the importance of giving the gift of life so I can continue on with my life, dialysis-free, and have guys waiting patiently by the phone for me. So you went on regular dialysis first? I went on hemodialysis. First? First. Where you went in center three times a week? I went in center every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And how long were you on that before you decided or you found out about home dialysis? I was I was on that about about six months. And I had been on the internet and, and I kind of heard about home dialysis. And then I come across this organization. It was called, uh, let me think here. Oh, Renal Support Network. Have you heard of that organization? Absolutely. I, I, they make machines of some kind, right? <laughs> well, no, they, were ha- yeah. they were having what they call a patient conference out in Anaheim, California. So I said to my wife. You wanted to go to Disneyland. I said, I'm going to Anaheim this weekend to this conference. So she said, well, okay, maybe I'll go with you. So she came with me. We flew out on Friday night. Saturday morning, I met Lori. I wanted to meet a couple other people. And we sat and we talked with other patients. And that made all the difference to me. But I also knew that out of this meeting was going to be exhibitors. And one was going to be next stage. And I went and saw the exhibitor. There was a patient there that was on the exhibitor. On the next stage. On the floor? On the yeah. Well, he he wasn't on it. He was oh. explaining it he, like what it was like for him. He at explained. Home. Oh, I see. And he explained to me and my wife. He spent forty-five minutes with me, explaining mm-hmm. the whole machine to me. It must have been Lori, right? Oh, oh. <laughs> no, I speak I, for at least an hour. <laughs> it, it was terrific. So we walked away from that knowing that when I got home, I was going to go on to next the stage. next stage machine. Right. We spent the weekend, flew back home on Sunday, and then I had to find the dialysis center that I was with 
does not have next stage. So now I had to go find another dialysis center and then I had to transfer. I transferred. Was it far away from your house, the new dialysis center? Uh, it was like 15 miles. Yeah, mine, oh, okay. when I had to, tra- I had to do the same thing. I had to change. Transfer. Mine was like 25 miles. Well, I had to go in every yeah. day to train yeah. 25 miles each way. So it's 15 well, I think miles. When you uh, went to the center, they said you needed a caregiver. And tell us a little bit about how that happened. Well, they, they just told me, you will have a caregiver. And I said, okay. And there's three weeks of training. And they asked me who your caregiver was going to be. I said, well, I really didn't know. I didn't know if it was going to be my wife or my son. Is it important that the caregiver be there every day for that three weeks? And I said, oh, yes. Well, that rules out my wife because my wife is a superintendent of school and she just could not be there every day. So it had to be my son. And I, I said to them, I said, I've selected my son as the caregiver. And they said, oh, okay. I said, well, you may have a little problem with that. And they asked me, why? Because he's handicapped. He's Down syndrome. The charge nurse says, well, we want to meet him. So I brought him in, put them in a room with him. In less than five minutes, they walked out and said, no problem with him being your caregiver. So what was it like, your son being your caregiver? Did he give you, like, you got to get on the machine now, and you got to do this? Was he very direct with you? Or Oh, my, my son knows everything about me that there is to know. He knows the names of my doctors. He knows my medicine. He knows when I had to get on the machine. He knew the next stage machine as well as, if not better, than I did. He took care of all the alarms. The only thing he would not do... Is stick you. Is stick me. Right? I don't blame him. (laughs) Did you stick yourself? I stuck myself. Ah, that's the hardest part. Well, uh, it was, you know, but... I learned how to do it, and I said, if other people could do it, there's no reason why I can't do it. Now, is it true that the center you trained at has since hired your son to teach other people? (laughs) (laughs) I asked him that because I figured that would be a good job for him. Yeah. But, uh... No, that didn't happen. You know, to tell you the truth, in knowing the personalities of Down syndrome uh, people, I don't want to say kids. People always want to say kids, even though they're in their 30s and 40s. I have a brother, my brother-in-law's brother. I don't know what that would mean to me. Brother-in-law, second removed or whatever. He's like, you know, (laughs) almost 50 years old, but I I still call him a kid because he has, he's like a six-year-old. He's not Down syndrome, but he is uh, uh, mentally disabled. And... um, but he's like a six-year-old, so he's like, he gets very excited over things, and you know, like a kid does. And you you still think of them as children, and they're they're adults, you know, your own age. My son is thirty-five. Uh, he gets excited about things. He must have loved being involved, you know. He must have loved it. He does because his favorite line to me is, "You love me, I take care of you." <laughs> Dad, are we going away? I want to go to Disney World. <laughs> so he, you know, he loves it. He's, yeah. uh, and I hope you took him to Disney World. <laughs> I did. Great. We, him and I went to Disney World. We, we packed up the next stage machine. Oh, wow. And we took it down to Disney World. We spent, well, six days down there. Oh, wow. He just loves Disney World. 
So uh, I don't blame them. I love Disney World. I love Disney World. I like Disneyland better than Disney World. Disney World, you could walk all day in the humidity, which I'm not used to. Yes, Florida is really good. I only went to Disney World one time, and I I went with my mom. Epcot was was beautiful. Epcot's so beautiful. Well, uh, so you got to transplant your son with your caregiver on hemodialysis. Now I understand your daughter gave you a kidney. That's correct. Well, you're cutting a swath through the entire family. <laughs> I, I want to keep it close to me. Yeah. My daughter, uh, she's 31, and, and she came in one night just as I passed out, and she watched my son revive me and bring me back. Wait, 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 wait. wait. What do you mean you passed out? I passed out on the machine because I had low blood pressure, and I just, my eyes rolled back in my head, and I just was out of it. Did any alarms go off? No alarms go off. Yeah. But my son knew exactly what to do. He, he was did, watching you? He did all... Oh, yes. He's always, he was always in a room for the whole three, three and a half hours that I sat there and we watched TV and he... Or he read, but he was always there, you know, and he knew exactly what to do, gave me some fluids, the whole bit, brought me back. I said hello to my daughter, and with that, I went out again, and he brought me back and everything was okay. And I think my daughter walked away from that saying, yep, this is what I'm doing. I'm giving him one of my well, kidneys. Well, you have two beautiful children, that's for sure. They're, they're, two of them are my heroes. I, I couldn't, I would not be here without either one of them. So what are you doing now? You're, you, you're a cook, you're a firefighter. You're, what are you doing now? I work part-time as a municipal code inspector, uh, enforcer. I, I do the building and fire codes in a municipality. I, I do some volunteering for... RSN, I do the Hope Line. Does that make you feel good though when it you did. help people? It really does. When you it can made, use your own experience right. and help others. Yeah. You so know, anybody who needs help, they can call Hope Line, and it's. I think it's open right. seven days a week, certain hours. It's only Monday through Monday. Friday. It's only Monday through, through Friday. So if you have a problem Monday, I mean Friday evening, you gotta wait just till deal with it. Till just right. deal with it. You know. So what are some tips that you'd like to uh, let fellow kidney patients know? One of the tips is to make sure that they take their medications, that they don't miss their dialysis treatments. They don't cut their dialysis treatment short, and they watch their nourishment, uh, make sure that their labs are are all in order, stay on target. And don't start any fires. And don't start any fires. (laughs) So is it bad to have my toaster um, next to my bath? Imagine being a firefighter and then now what is this with the creatinines of 17, 18? I I felt horrible and mine was like almost nine. Well, Not even quite nine, but it was nine, and I felt like I was gonna die. And they were walking around with 17, 18. Well, this is a classic case, you know, firefighters always helping save other people, but they oftentimes don't take care of themselves. It's like the cobbler whose kids didn't have shoes. Or the I, cobbler who had no fruit. We can control our own destiny. We can take charge of our health and ask questions about our medical options. We can form partnerships with our healthcare team. We can take steps towards self-improvement. We can be sensitive to the impact of our disease on our family. We can sing, dance, laugh, and enjoy our lives. We can appreciate today and look forward to tomorrow. We can help and support our fellow patients. 
we can pursue our hopes and dreams. We can make a difference. Renal Support Network would like to thank everyone who has made this show possible. Kidney Talk's founding sponsor is Amgen. Generous support is provided by Roche Pharmaceuticals and Estellas. Friends of Kidney Talk are Abbott Laboratories, American Region, and Fresenius Medical Care North America. Thank you for helping us stream health, happiness, and hope to the kidney community. Visit rsnhope.org for more information. The opinions, recommendations, statements, and advice contained on Kidney Talk are for information only. You should not use the information on the show to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without first consulting with a qualified health care provider. Please consult with your health care provider about any questions or concerns you may have regarding your condition or dietary regimen.